to help support this podcast and get exclusive bonus content and rewards, make a monthly pledge at patreon.com slash universe box. And, and remember, remember to, to think, think outside. Is it on? I don't think it's on. It's on. Okay. Uh... We have a confession. We've never watched Lost. Now we're tired of hearing about it, so we're finally watching the hit TV show for the first time. Come along with us to the island. And please stay close by because we're, we're so lost. We need help. It's our dad. His stomach is really bad. We're also rewatching the classic ABC TV series Lost. I'm Bill Meeks. And I'm Anne-Marie DeSimone. And we are back where Anne-Marie. I don't know if you know this or not. It's important, though. But this is the last official episode of Lost before the two three. slash three part season finale. So we're almost there. We've almost finally we're almost there. We're almost there. After nine months, we've almost completed season one, which is good because I mean that's about how long a TV show generally runs, right? I have no idea. And so then we'll be doing. Summer. They all take these weird three month breaks now. I have no <laughs> idea what's going on. Well, we had like our mini break. We had a mini break, and then we came back for the last half, and now we'll have our summer break, and then. We'll start. We'll have up, our summer break, which is uh, covering Gotham and whatnot. But uh, you know what, Emery? What, Bill? We get ahead of ourselves. We're talking about the finale. We haven't even covered our spoiler policy yet. Why don't you <gasps> tell people about that? Hi guys, we have a spoiler policy on this show. We do. It's weird. We do. It's very odd because normally we love spoilers. Spoilers make us happy. We like casting. We like knowing this, that, and the other thing. However, since this, that, and the other thing have all been happened in Lost. Mm-hmm. We want to remain pure to the episode that we are covering or before. Like, we don't want to know the stuff that's going to happen in the future. If we hit on something and you're like, oh, I want to talk about that with them, but I can't, send us something and label it. <laughs> Tell us what yeah. episode it's for or be like, you'll hear more about that later. Yeah, don't be like, like, in season two, episode four, about halfway through, you're going to find out that Kate is actually Jack's sister or mm-hmm. something crazy. Yeah, you can totally say, uh, you know, you guys are going to like this episode because there are going to be several characters who speculate about what's inside the hatch. But you don't say, in this episode, you're going to find out that the Cloverfield monster is in the hatch and it's going to become a found footage show. Is it the Cloverfield monster or is it that thing from Strange Things? Strange Stranger things. things. Stranger Things. Stranger Things. Strange Things. Yes. And not just strange, but stranger. stranger. It's a sequel to a show that never was. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, again, we're, we're getting, getting ahead of beat. ourselves. We're getting off the beaten track here. We we're here to talk about Lost. So, Amory, why don't you hit us up with the rhyming episode summary and we'll get started talking about it. Uno moment. Okay. Does the raft mission have the right crew? Kate wants a spot on the shaky bamboo. Locke shows the hatch in an act of concession. Jack still doesn't trust him or his discretion. Katie collects all the karma she's won by being a gal who was born to run. Katie, I was born to run. Anne-Marie, what'd you think? For a Kate episode, this is pretty good. Yeah, I liked it. Yeah, it was not bad. No, I mean, I, um, you know, there, there's good and there's bad. Uh, I feel mm-hmm. there was more good than bad. Mm-hmm. Still, I have many questions about Katie in the past. Yeah. So. Yeah, you know, you, you say uh, I, it was a Kate episode, but it was still good. I, it actually, it's the first time I've ever really felt sympathy for Kate at all. Right. Well, that's what I'm saying mm-hmm. is I haven't really given to flying nothings about her. Mm-hmm. And uh, now I kind of do. 
Cool. There's Very stuff cool. happen. By by the way, if you're watching this live, you can join us in the chat, live.universebox.com. We normally record Thursdays, 8.30 p.m. EST. So we're doubling up this week. Just to uh, get through before. So it's Tuesday, but generally Thursday, 8.30 p.m. EST. And we want to see a bunch of people in there for our big finale finale next Mixed Thursday, yes. 8.30 p.m. EST. I, I think that's going to be – that'll be August – or no, sorry, September 1st. <gasps> The day after my birthday. Yes. So uh, it, it'll be a For good time. For anybody who cares. <laughs> we, 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 we hope to see you guys there at yes. live.universebox.com. Okay, but I guess we should we get should, started we talking. Should, yeah, let's talk about, about things. Episode. Enough dilly-dallying. All of this dilly-dallying's got to go. Too much dilly, not enough dally, I say. Okay, I wanted to talk first of all about the concept of best discretion. Uh, this comes mm-hmm. up a few times throughout the episode. It's kind of... I, I felt even though Kate had the main story, this was sort of the thematic, um, yeah, yeah the, the thematic, you know, jive to the whole show, uh, was the concept of discretion and using your best discretion. I, you know, I, I loved the discussion, uh, slash conflict between ja- John and Jack, uh, during this week's episode, right, ah. at the, right at the front of this week's episode and kind of played around a little bit, uh, as it went on. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jack doesn't trust Locke because he lies, yet it becomes pretty apparent throughout the episode that Jack does the same thing mm-hmm. and will continue to do the same thing mm-hmm. now it, it's interesting because secrets especially in a small society like this are pretty toxic they mm-hmm. they can sort of erode trust and erode uh you know any sort of strength the group might have uh, but at the same time john and jack uh, I'm it's really start... weird to hear him called john by the way yeah yeah can you just call him Locke and make my life can easier? i call him john Locke? john Locke jiggly arms John Locke, John Locke, Jiggly Arms, uh, but you know, I, I, I think. Uh, ha, see, Jack versus Locke. <laughs> Sorry, quoting from the chat room. Yeah, yeah, but uh, they both had pretty good reasons for keeping the secrets they did, and right. it seemed like they were both working towards the good of the group. So, what, what do you think, Emery? Are secrets okay if they're protecting the group, or do you think it should be all open all the time? I think they need some sort of order to determine that first. Mm-hmm. I don't think everybody needs to know everything, like. Do we think the teacher who suddenly decided to remember things and show up mm-hmm. um, needs to know about the guns? No, I really don't. Yeah. Um, mostly because he's obviously been hiding in a tree. But um, I don't – there needs to be a hierarchy because they even talk about – he's like, since when do I report to you? Yeah, exactly. No, you don't, but you do. You th- you think Jack thinks he's in charge, and really he's not. He's just keeping people alive. Yeah, well, Jack's sort of become the de facto leader, probably because he's the only one who can keep everyone alive. Right. Uh, well, I think that's the thing is like just because you're a good doctor doesn't make you a good leader. Yeah, yeah, that's very true. Very true. Like I, I mean, obviously, uh, when he's operating on people and stuff, I'm that's sure different. he Listen kind of him. leads the operating room. Yes. But so that might give him some strengths that a leader might have. But at the same time, yeah, you're totally right. I, I, a lot of this subterfuge and everything going on within the group is because they don't have a hierarchy. They don't have a leader. It, it's, you know, calling back to a book that has a lot of comparisons to this show, Lord of the Flies. That's kind of what happens there is that there there is no formal leader, formal society, uh, social rules right. built. And so it all descends into chaos really, really quickly. Right, which is sort of why we keep getting these fist fights and all sorts mm-hmm. of like public embarrassment and like things like that. Like that's not how life should be handled. But they're not going to take the time to set up some sort of you know, life mm-hmm. or government because they're in the, still in the process of building a boat to get off of the island. Yeah. So it's weird. But, but you know, all this chaos and everything, I, I, I think it kind of 
comes to the forefront uh, in Hurley's confusion over who knows what points. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Who knows Hurley what secrets. Not, you, you could tell he's not a guy who's used to knowing things. Mm-hmm. So he thinks that if he knows it, everybody, everybody knows, knows it. it yeah. Right. Yeah, Poor it, Steve didn't even know about the polar bear. <laughs> but uh, it kind of exposes an underlying weakness in keeping secrets in general. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like with danger, you know, danger. leadership or not, hierarchy or not, with danger all around them. I feel like everyone needs to know all of the information if they're going to stand a chance. And I, I feel like even though they have really good John and Jack locked, no, uh, John Locke no. and Jack uh, Shepard, I have really good reasons for the secrets they're keeping. At the same time, I feel like they're putting the entire group in danger by keeping. Don't you feel like after the whole Ethan took Claire and Charlie thing, mm-hmm. excuse me, that even these little bit people would be like, excuse me, I'd like to be in on some stuff. I'd yeah. like to be a part of the group. And, you know, even after, you know, they got her back and Ethan was wanting her brought in and, you mm-hmm. know, people are dying because they're coming out of the water <laughs> still not completely confirmed on that i guess but um well we keep getting these bit players and they keep playing semi-important roles which I'll, i have a point on later oh goody uh, for sure uh, oh, let's see over in the chat room michael lucero says uh government and the way society should be structured was a central concern for both the real john Locke and another philosopher whose name is referenced in this show uh rousseau uh-huh. uh the show plays with stuff like this but never in a foreign gro- grounded way I love it. Interesting. Uh, thank you for the comment, Michael. Uh, yeah, yeah, but uh, it, it's uh, definitely interesting. Like, I, I kind of err on the side of openness equals safety, secrecy equals danger and chaos and unrest. Yeah. Uh, y- you know, just in general. So I, I kind of come on that side of it but uh you know we'll see where 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 it takes them we will see where it takes although it's them. a it's it's prime time network television so people are probably going to keep keeping secrets from each other because yeah. that's the way drama works drama drama especially drama. on prime time television yes i now i i feel like uh this uh sort of ag- agreement on discretion because i think they both agree to let the other have their secrets by the end of it john and jack i'm john Locke and jack uh <laughs> y- you know uh but i i feel like uh it's gonna allow them to maybe work more closely together and in a more trusting relationship moving forward even though jack kind of poo-poos that when michael asked him about it he's like no we didn't make up but the thing is i i i, I will say that you know i, I really love the scene where, where Locke was kind of being the interrogator going around it, it, they were like a cop duo jo- Locke was out questioning witnesses right. and jack was back taking care of the victim trying to get information from him and then they right. meet up and uh match up all their information and move forward i'd, I'd love to see uh sort of a i don't know a, like a csi the island spinoff with with john and jack i mean well i don't know about that i'd like to see lock and jack no <laughs> lock and walt mm-hmm. lock and walt lock and walt that would be fun wouldn't that, would that be, be good because i was already thinking that uh that you know lock was older so much older than jack that it was kind of like a ah it's uh, my last day on the job i'm about to retire ah, i'm the young rookie guy that's gonna replace you and now we're working together on this case yeah it, yeah it has like a whole a whole oh, comp yeah. dynamic thing i see it but you know obviously the two of the these two guys are going to keep doing what they're doing as far as the secrets and everything mm-hmm. and they even make it kind of blatant in the episode because they have a scene where jack hides the fact that sun poisoned gin because it would do more harm for good in the group and she uh, probably has no chance or reason to reoffend. Mm-hmm. and then uh, we get another scene where Locke is going to continue to keep Walt's secrets yeah so so you know lots of subterfuge Sorry. and uh, the derby kid in the chat room says lots of philosopher names are referenced on lost 
Interesting. Maybe we should start reading some philosophy. Maybe books. I should know what some philosophy <laughs> is. You should. I, 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 there's probably a book on Lost and philosophy, but it's probably. But have I can't spoilers. read. That's the problem. Mm-hmm. Okay, guys, listen. Here's my situation. Anytime I have a question about something, I try to Google it and I try to be very specific. I'm like, what mm-hmm. is. The person's name in season one, episode 15, who does this? And then I get to this wiki page that I don't know how I got <laughs> to. And it's telling me all sorts of spoilery stuff that I have to just wipe out of my head. Well, Amory, there's really only one solution for this. How? What? I, I think, I think you need, you need to live in the past. Right. And, and then, and then no run one, away from the past. No one will have spoilers. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I guess so. Names on Lost have meaning. Names have Lost on meaning. Numbers on Lost have meaning. Lost has meaning on Lost. Okay. This is you. This is me. This is you on Lost. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So Runaway Kate in the past, not Runaway Kate in the present. Okay. So in the- the, Oh, one thing. uh, uh, Michael in the chat room says you can tweet or DM him for spoiler-free answers anytime. This is true. This is true. I can do that. I may have to do that from now on because (laughs) the internet is a dangerous place. Back to Runaway Kate. Back to Runaway Kate. Okay. Here's the way I took what the flashback has taught me in my interpretation skills. So I'm going to assume that her and Tom were married right out of high school. Oh, you think? I do. But for whatever reason, Kate ran. Something happened. Kate ran. And this explains Kate being married before and loving the man that the airplane belongs to. And also, I don't know, this is my notes, but that he says, you know, it's not fair that you came back. Mm-hmm. You shouldn't – like basically saying you shouldn't be here. Why are you here? What are you doing? There's obviously attraction and affection and, you know, they kiss in the car, which is not good because he's married has a 22-month-old baby. Mm-hmm. And all that sort of shenanigans. Well, I, I like I. That's interesting because I didn't read that as being her previous husband. I read that as just being her, her like her, her teenage boyfriend that she, you know, still had some feelings for, obviously, and that you know she was using him to get to her mom. Like she uses a lot of people. On this show, I took him as being the love of her life. That's fair. And well, I'm not saying that, uh, one right. excludes the other. I'm just saying, like, I I didn't read him as being the one she had been married to that she mentioned a few episodes back during the game. I'm just saying it makes sense. Yeah, I'm just saying it works. Definitely, definitely, it works, and especially because she runs at random times. So who knows? Or whatever the bad thing is that made her run the first time mm-hmm. happened. Okay. Um, what is it that made her run the first time? Like, I get the impression from the tape, the 1989 Katie and Tom tape, Mm -hmm. which is also part of why I think that they got married right out of high school, is he was head over heels in love with her, and she might have just felt safe. Because mm-hmm. I feel like he helped that she had some sort of a bad family relationship. Like I feel like she had an abusive father figure, whether actual father or not. Who knows? Well, obviously, there's probably thousands of millions of people who know. <laughs> um, and I feel like she did something about it, and that's what made her mom upset or scared and made her have to run. Mm-hmm. I feel like Kate took matters into her own hands, which is what she tends to do. Um, it just keeps forcing her to um, run. What's Michael saying? Uh, Michael says you'll find out uh, what Kate did sooner rather than later, but not this season. Aha. So season two. Season two coming soon. Maybe. And uh, the Derby Kid says, is it just me or does Tom have a lot of parallels to Jack? I guess he's a doctor. Huh. Um, he seemed like a pretty decent dude. Wasn't afraid to get into a little mischief. Meh. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe. Does Jack get shot? in the chest and in a car accident suit? <laughs> no? Okay. 
Um, see, also, um, I get that she did something to initially have to run, mm-hmm. but why has she become a professional at it? She has the trunk full of plates. She's sneaking into hotel rooms. The really bad hair dye, like, she's a brunette. Don't, don't put a blonde wing on her again. Well, well, because baby, she was born to run. We're just going to keep singing yeah, tonight. Definitely. Okay. Um, and who wrote the letter and sent her the money? Good question. Who knew to send a letter under the name Joan Hart to that specific mm-hmm. hotel that she was going to break into? Yeah. See, if she hadn't broken down crying, I would have said maybe she sent it to herself. Like maybe she got some money and sent it there and she was she knew she'd see, go there See, that would have made sense. But then she has the letter and she's crying. And she found – well, I mean she could have been crying for any well, – but wonder, it was because she found out her mom had cancer. Yeah. I, I, yeah so I guess uh, whoever left the letter would have had to have known. And it obviously wasn't her mom or Tom Mm because both were very confused and upset to see her. Maybe it was her brother. Excuse me. Sawyer. No. Dun, dun, dun. No. No. No, it's interesting though that she kind of had this very emotional letter in this episode and Sawyer had the letter from... Right. Or letter that he wrote to uh, the original Sawyer mm-hmm. in the first couple of, of uh, you know, eight or nine episodes or whatever. So it's kind of an interesting parallel between them for sure. Hmm. sure. Very interesting. Uh, let's see. Uh, the Derby Kid, uh, I I think expound, expanding on her uh, comparison between Tom and uh, Jack, I always thought Tom was the guy Kate would always love no matter uh, where she was or where she went. Mm-hmm. And I think in addition to him being a doctor, I've always thought Tom looked a lot like Jack. Hmm. I could Very see possible. That. I could see that. But, you know, we're, we're going to keep going on this thread because it was a pretty big part of the episode. And I wanted to talk about the plane. The plane. The plane. The plane, boss. The plane. Fantasy Island uh, with Jack and Kate, Kate and Sawyer, Sawyer. And that's it. That's all we got. I don't, okay. Okay. We, we've done a Gilligan's Island casting. <laughs> uh, we did another casting. What would Who would play Mr. Rourke and who would play Tattoo on Fantasy Lost Island? things that i've never seen you've never seen no Fantasy i just know to plane to plane that's a shame um i think hurley would definitely be tattoo <laughs> is and that the one who says to plane to plane yeah yeah, yeah. That and is. uh as far as mr rourke well it would have to be Locke. yeah definitely because mr rourke was always kind of mysterious and you didn't know if he had magic powers or not because he made all these fantasies come true interesting uh but you know the plane, the plane. uh it, it, it's nice to finally know what it represents which i uh, obviously is sort of her mistakes regret where she took it further than she meant to and got somebody important hurt yep uh you know it, it makes a bit more sense now that she staged a bank robbery to get the plane back although i wonder how did it end up in a safe deposit box when she left it in the car it doesn't seem like something yes because you don't see her pick it up yeah and it doesn't seem like something his wife would have kept after the way everything went down oh you were driving with this woman and she might have maybe i knew she was in my house and then you died and there was this plane in the back of the car oh i'm gonna keep that for the kids you know <laughs> and put it in a safety deposit box yeah yeah it doesn't seem like something she would keep uh so so i just wonder you maybe know maybe they just didn't show it, her taking it well she looks at it and then she gets up and runs I, that's what i was confused like it, when i was watching it the second time i was like wait did she go back nope mm-hmm. she didn't she didn't go back for it but if she took it yeah then that would mean she put it in the safe deposit box and she staged a bank robbery to get it back 
Which why oh. would you do that? If you put if you put it in the safe deposit box, you wouldn't need to stage a bank robbery to get it back. You would just go in there with your key, bloop bloop, done and done. Mm, bloop bloop. Uh, you know, I have to say though uh, that the scene with her mom was it, both <gasps> intriguing and heartbreaking. Yes. Like I can't imagine risking my freedom to say I'm sorry and then getting ratted out by the person who should love me the most and want to protect me. You know. Right. I and and the question remains, and you, you kind of address this too. What could Kate have done that her mother would be so scared? Uh, and uh, I, I thought, uh, you know, back to the tape, when Tom said she always wanted to run away, uh, she said, you know why? And I, I think we're kind of thinking the same thing here. Obviously, there was something not right about her home life, right. uh, whether that's at home home or school home. There was something not right about, something about life. Her li- the life around her when she was growing up. But, but I feel like her mother probably wasn't part of the problem mm-hmm. because obviously she cared enough to come back and apologize. I think it was still her mother, though. Like, there's mm-hmm. a lot of forgiveness for parents, I think. I, I just mean, that, like, especially if you're the type of person Kate seems to be. That's true. If your mother was cruel to you, would you risk your freedom to come back and apologize to her? Probably when, not, no. Y- yeah. And so whatever Kate did to push her mother away, because obviously she did something horrific, uh, it must have involved hurting somebody her mother cared about, I think. So maybe, uh, like you were kind of thinking, an abusive stepdad, or is that too on the nose? I don't know. I don't, uh, maybe, I don't... maybe she killed her brother or something. I don't know. That, that's yeah. I, it, it had to be a family member. Mm-hmm. Like, her mom didn't seem, from the moment we saw her, like, that trashy of a person that it was just, like, some boyfriend. Yeah. And I don't think some boyfriend would... Um, cause so much mm-hmm. I have to run from a young age. Yeah, and if it was a situation with it where there was some sort of abuse and the mom knew about the abuse or had an inkling about it or found out about it even after the fact, I don't think the mom would have reacted this way when Kate showed up in the ER, or not the ER, but the hospital. Right. You know, she wouldn't have acted in horror and helped me and, you know, all this stuff. So th- there's something more going on there, I think, possibly, maybe. Maybe it wasn't like... A- a stepfather or a father or anything maybe it was mm-hmm. an abusive brother could be and could that be. would almost be more of that i don't know yeah, it's hard, i don't know it's hard. maybe well maybe, apparently we're gonna find out soon so i guess we should maybe stop maybe, maybe in the town she grew up in there was a marathon and she beat her mom because she was born to run and her mom just never let go of it. She was just upset because Kate was born to run and she ran faster because she was born to. Anyway. Sun poison gin. Sun poisoning gin <laughs> or Michael, actually, um, to just completely turn back to the island. So this felt way too extreme for something Sun to have done, even with the urging of Kate. Um, Sun is a pretty, pretty passive. She's pretty chill. She doesn't raise her voice. She doesn't take extreme measures unless you count starting a garden to feed everyone. Mm-hmm. So there's that. Um, she took a really huge risk by trying to poison, um, Jin. What if she'd have used too much of the, I'm assuming, plant? Or there would have been some undesirable effect, you know, other than just the stomach cramping. Like, what if he'd have had an allergic reaction or, you know, well, died? You, she could have lost the love of her life. At the same, by the same token, she probably, she would probably know about most of his allergies and she does seem to be the herbalist, the, the, the master of all the herbs on the island and everything. Right. But I'm just saying, what if, oops, I put too much in, but I didn't know I put too much oops, in. I did it again. I poisoned your water. Got you real sick. <laughs> okay. <laughs> or did Kate know about the plant to poison Jin? Well, Michael. 
And or did she just plant the seed in, of somehow poisoning them in Sun's head? Because mm-hmm. Kate seems to have a lot of wilderness smarts. Uh, I guess that's what you get for being raised in Iowa. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't put it completely past her knowing that a specific plant could act as a temporary poison or what have you. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel like Sun went about everything the wrong way um, yeah. with this. And again, she's keeping another secret because she didn't tell anybody – that Kate is the one who had the idea, mm-hmm. but she does say that Jack knows. Um, but yeah, Sun went the wrong way about handling Jin wanting to leave. Um, she should have kept trying to talk to him instead of standing back. Uh, she was getting through to him because they were starting to speak at least a little bit because of yeah. everything with Boone and Claire having the baby and, you know, she's the only one who understands Jen. So mm-hmm. it, it's necessary. Um, yeah, by the same token, I can kind of, I can see how it all went down though, just because, uh, Sun and Would Kate- you poison me if I was trying to leave the island? Yes. Uh, but Sun and Kate seem to have a very close relationship. Like, I, I mean, Kate knew about her speaking English well before everyone else did. So, so I could, I could, in the way Kate acts, her kind of MO is that she, you know, she gains trust and then takes advantage of it to her own purposes. Right. So, I, I, when, once it was revealed, I was like, of course that's how it went down. I can't see it going down any other way than right. how, how, how it did. Right. Um, over in the chat room, Derby Kid uh, says, I pulled up the episode uh, with the sound off while listening to the live stream <laughs> and Ev- Evangeline's face during the scene with her mom in the hospital is uh, ter- tearing me up. Tearing me? Tearing me? Te- te- tearing me up. And uh, then Michael Lucero says, spoiler, <laughs> Kate's mom resents her because Kate took over a Pokemon gym and that she'd worked so hard to conquer. Pokemon Go. Pokemon. Ripping families apart. Okay, I, as always, you know, we would love for you to help spread the word about this show. Go over to iTunes, leave us a review. We'll read it on the show. No one left a review this week. So that's, that's like four weeks in a row, y'all. Yeah, please. Somebody. Pick up the pace. I know y'all are out there. Yeah, they can be bad reviews. Where I mean, but if, if you're leaving they us a bad horrible. review. They can be horrible. Why are you still listening if it was bad? Just saying. Well, I mean, they could be funny can we bad. At least they could be funny star? bad. But in lieu of all that, we're going to tell you about our Patreon. Emery, why don't you tell them about it? Hi, guys. We revamped our Patreon. So if you go over to patreon.com slash universebacks, you're going to find a whole bunch of new stuff. Mm-hmm. Including a video that we're going to make soon. Um, <laughs> so we've updated all of our uh, rewards. We've updated our goals. Mm-hmm. Um, apparently, Patreon has also been doing some updates, and your minimum donation per month is now $1 versus $0.10. Cents. But you get a Still bunch of stuff for a dollar. Still not that much. Um, but we also, as a part of our new Patreon movement, if you will, mm-hmm. we are going to be recognizing our five-star patrons. So as of right now, it's... $5 star patrons yeah, club i don't like the way that you no, have, that you, have to, you have to say the name properly five dollar star patrons club 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 okay jason ritter becca baca angel kelsey monica jones sage of earth aka patty harry seidler timothy peters lisa babick and hope molinax are all members of the five dollar star patrons club and when we write a will who what knows you, if the, can we not get morbid who, who knows if the five dollar star patrons club might not be included they could get this pokemon hat i'm wearing we could send there them would the be a very angry child the fluffy thing on this. the end of your microphone oh somebody's getting this 
if you, a lot of lipstick from our suicide thing. And, you know, all, sort, all sorts of cool uh, things we're trying to work up here. A bi-weekly movie commentary. We're going to uh, get back to it if we hit the goal again. Once Upon a Time, live-streamed reactions, uh, video series teaching you everything we know about podcasting, or a live event in Orlando for Universe Box people, live-streamed and big party. Party! So if you want to get all that and be in our will, like the 25 people currently giving us $114 a month, go to patreon.com slash universe box and to remember, remember to, to think, think outside. outside okay outside now, <laughs> now as always uh we're gonna have our resident lost expert michael chime in with his thoughts on the episode non-spoilery take it away michael Y'all remember Joanna, don't you? Huh? Yep. The woman who drowned? Now, what's Anne Marie doing with poor Joanna's passport? <laughs> could it be she'd do just about anything to get off this podcast so, nice. so she could run off with a new identity before <laughs> half the reporters in the world descend on this recording studio? Hey, Bill. Johanna did it. Bill and Anne Marie, it's Michael. Um, this episode is another great one, uh, both for the on island storyline and the flashback. Lots of things get put into play here, or at least begin to be put into play. Um, Locke and Jack seem to be at a temporary truce, but it's also clear that their rivalry is not over. Uh, also, one of my f- least favorite tropes in television is characters keeping secrets from each other. But at least here they do it pretty well, I think. And the, they actually, uh, these secrets are coming out now, and I think the, these moments are meaningful and interesting. Uh, Locke's debate with Jack and Saeed over whether to open the hatch feels like it has real consequences, since both sides have legitimate points. Of course, we as viewers want them to open the hatch, but Saeed does have a point. There could be any uh, number of dangerous things inside there, for example, stored nuclear waste or a dozen caged smoke monsters. Um, but <laughs> most importantly, uh, the reason I really like this episode is that it's far and away a much better episode than the last Kate-centric story, which was whatever the case may be, uh, which was pretty much pointless in my opinion. This episode is basically what that episode should have been. We find out there that Kate killed a man, and here we actually see that happen. And we get the tragic and emotional weight behind that. It also kind of makes you feel bad for Kate, which is something that is, in my opinion, kind of an impressive thing to pull off, since she is pretty annoying most of the time. And not only for the tragedy of her being responsible for the death of her childhood sweetheart, but also the heartbreak of her own mother rejecting her and giving her away at the hospital. So ultimately, we learn here that Sun is the one directly responsible for poisoning Michael. Uh, But it's also clear that Kate put the idea into her head. Uh, I think it's intriguing that there's at least an implied ambiguity as to Kate's motivations here, whether she did it out of a sincere wish to help Sun keep her husband nearby, or no, if she, she merely saw an opportunity in Sun's fear as to use Definitely. the other woman for her own agenda without dirtying her own hands. I think probably both are true. And uh, while in the past I've found this pretty annoying, now I kind of feel like it's more of a tragic fact about Kate, that even... Uh, most most of the time, even her best moments are tinged with this really pitiful self-interest. But uh, even more tragic, I think, is Sawyer and his exchange with Kate at the end of the episode. What he says uh, there hurts Kate and pushes her away when they had beforehand been developing something of a relationship and I think had a real connection in chemistry. Why would Sawyer say that? Why would he push Kate away? I think it's pretty clear, actually. Even though Sawyer is a lot more sympathetic than he starts out as, and is to a certain extent integrating himself into the community of survivors, he's still kind of motivated by the same things he always was at the beginning of the season, self-loathing and self-sabotage. He says what he says to punish himself, to cut off any chance he has at happiness. 
And I really feel for him here. The com- uh, this complexity, I think, is one of the things that makes him such an interesting character, too. Uh, this episode also features the introduction of one of my favorite minor characters, Dr. Arzt. <laughs> I could be wrong, but I want to say he's the first background character that comes forward to play a major plot role in the show. Uh, and this definitely isn't the last that you've seen of him, either. Mm. So, all said, I'd have to get this one 99 out of 108 doctored passports. As always, thank you. Namaste and good luck. And a namaste to you too, Michael. <laughs> Thank you very much. And we'll always look forward to your insights. Uh, and we totally won't play Pokemon Go while listening to them next yes, time. Yes, we will. Okay. <laughs> All right. But we're going to go ahead and move on here uh, to some more discussion points about this episode. Uh, okay. I want to talk a little bit about the hatch real quick. Okie dokie. Okay. First of all, I love that Locke wanted Jack in on the revelation. He had to show Saeed, but he, if Saeed knew, then Jack needed to know too. I, I, I think it's the way Locke was looking at it. And it, I, I thought, I also thought it was smart how they got him out there. Oh, yeah. I actually think that he was trying to make the peace. I don't think mm-hmm. it was necessarily because he felt that Jack needed to know. Mm-hmm. I think he knew that them having such a harsh relationship was going to be toxic to the group uh-huh. and he felt he needed to share this and also he'd lost his right-hand man yeah. and Saeed's over there trying to talk him out of it which mm-hmm. <clears throat> might be a good idea <laughs> um and he brings in jack at least maybe for another opinion mm-hmm. so yeah it, i don't think it was necessary i mean i could definitely I, I i definitely think it was implied that Locke was in on the whole thing because you know he just hun- hung back until they mm-hmm. showed up okay no no i knew that he wanted he wanted jack brought in Mm-hmm. But you think it was for different reasons than, than just strategic reasons, right? I think it was. Well, I mean, it was strategic mm-hmm. because it was um, bringing the peace to the island a little bit. Because if you have the two of them, which are probably the two strongest mm-hmm. character dudes, that's right, dudes, um, <laughs> they're going to tear the, everybody apart. Mm-hmm. Because yes, Jack can keep you alive, but Locke can show you how to survive. Yeah, and definitely that's something that Locke would want to get squared away as soon as possible, because Jack's out there sowing seeds of discord. Right. Cons- towards Locke, you know, uh, with the group and everything. So so I, I can definitely see that. Now, you bring up Saeed's warning about not breaking into the hatch. I do. I, Saeed mentions that the hatch might be too dangerous because there was no handle on the outside. Now, why would that make it dangerous to open exactly? It's keeping people out, right, if there's no handle on the outside? Yeah. If there's no handle on the outside, there's probably one on the inside, to which means out. somebody could be conspiring or get, conspiring against them down there. If anything, Saeed's argument would make me want to open the hatch more. Oh, well, yeah. Because if, if there's a handle on the inside and the outside, then obviously there's something on the inside that's super important. Mm-hmm. And uh, I want to get in there. Well, we know that it. there's a light. Yeah, I, I was wondering, did Locke tell them about the light? I don't think he did. I don't did. think he told them about the light. Because that would probably change their motivation to get in it a little more. If they uh, knew there was, you know, light. active electricity in everything. Of some sort, yeah. yeah. And it's weird that he wasn't able to see anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it was an extremely bright light, mm-hmm. but nothing. Not a not a shadowy figure. Nothing. Yeah, yeah. But, I, I, you know, as interesting as I thought it was, 
was that uh, Jack found out about the hatch. Uh-huh. I thought it was more interesting, all, all the sort of uh, prophecies and foretellings that the seer, the great seer Walt. Uh, Walt and his superpower. Yeah, yeah. Walt and his superpower. Okay, mm-hmm. so it's nice that we got some Walt lock time because they always have mm-hmm. – excuse me. They're on a whole different level from everyone else on the island. One speaks to the island. One speaks to everything else. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's – you know, especially nice with everything going on. Um, but it seemed a little crazy when he warned Locke not to open the hatch or don't open it. So there's, you know, that it could have been anything. And I think Locke was pushing him to say the hatch, the mm-hmm. door, the, like to be a little more specific because Locke was very obviously concerned at this conversation. Yeah, especially because uh, the island, whatever Told him. the island is, has been pushing him towards this. So Which wonder- would make sense if the island is malicious. I, I was wondering though do you think that Walt's kind of foretellings and everything do you think they're another method that the island is using to communicate with no. Locke or do you think that it's something else working against the islands once I think it's something else Walt? because Walt was already had the superpower before he got to the island yeah I guess with so the I don't think it's necessarily working the windows right I don't think it's necessarily working against the island it may just happen to go that way mm-hmm. if it's best for Walt yeah. because I think Walt's superpower works it to Walt's benefit, mm-hmm. whereas the island works to the island's benefit. Yeah. Via John Locke. Mm-hmm. Um, John Locke jiggly arms. <laughs> so let's see. Um, he never lets on that he knows what Walt's talking about. Um, so he just still leaves it a little fuzzy for, for Mr. Walt. Um, to the same note though, Walt confesses to Michael about burning the first raft because he didn't want to leave. I, big props to Mr. Michael for not getting upset, even though he really could have at that point. Mm-hmm. It would have been completely valid for him to have been upset with Walt. But he actually offers to just stay. Mm-hmm. He offers just not to go. But then Walt, like, responds. Um, it's kind of surprising. He's like, no, we have to leave. Yeah, We I, have to go. I, I was actually, I, earlier in the episode, when Kate's like, you don't want to bring your kid out there. It's dangerous. I, I was thinking, you know what? Actually, this whole Michael thing with taking Walt out on the raft is really, really selfish. And yeah. really, 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 I, I mean, go yourself. That's one thing. Help build the raft. You know, that's fine. But, you know, to, to take a kid out there when you might end up in Antarctica, you know, uh, apparently, like, yeah. seems like a bad call. Um, but it was um, Walt and Michael's conversation that leads me to believe that Locke doesn't listen mm-hmm. to anything. And I think that Walt knows that. Um, it feels like Walt knows that Locke is still going to open the hatch or maybe even Jack at this point, And he's terrified of what is inside. I mean, uh, mm-hmm. I am kind do, of. Do you scared. think maybe there there's something manipulating like Walt and Michael off the island for some reason? No. Excuse me. I'm sorry. Not enough coffee today. Um, I don't think there's something pulling them off of the island. I think at this point, the only thing pulling them off of the island is Walt. Mm-hmm. Not even necessarily Michael because Michael would be cool to stay. Mm-hmm. I think he was doing this to try and build his relationship with Walt, but they've done that on the island. You know, comforts a home and so, all. But. So do you think – so you think they're definitely running away from something and not to something? I think yes. Do you think Walt was born to run? <gasps> Walty, I was born to run. I, I led into that one. That was my own fault. <laughs> uh, Michael Lucero in the chat room says, I agree so much, Anne-Marie. Uh, Michael and Walt are such a great pair of characters. They are, they are exquisite. Yeah, exquisite. I really like them. I really like them. Weird, weird verbs or adjectives tonight. Okay, so 
we had an expert in trade winds and sailing on the island the whole time, and this is the first time he's expressed any concern about the raft project. <laughs> I, yeah. Isn't this the ty- type of dude who should have been involved in the raft project from the start, not, you know, putting rocks on tarps 10 feet up the beach <laughs> or whatever? You, you know, may- maybe he should have been the fourth seat, you know? I mean, as much as uh, Sawyer Supplies probably helped the initial raft project, don't you think having somebody who was an expert on, you know, which way the wind blows? But is and- he really an expert? I mean, he's a high school teacher. He's, he's the best expert they've got, probably. This is true. Because he's probably taught this think, think about a high school teacher they they say they teach the same material for 20 years that's true so he probably knows this whole winds and waves yeah. and all this all this stuff pretty darn well yeah especially you know i, I mean if he if he was already into that stuff and he was going to australia for some reason yeah he might have looked a little more into it maybe make sure he doesn't get there during monsoon season you know that's true yeah you, you know but it, it it just seems so weird that he showed it showed up so late in the raft project that i have a theory okay okay so i I, i'm thinking maybe he's from the same group as ethan was and maybe showed up around the same time ethan did and has sort of been biding his time until he could quash any plans the castaways had of escaping maybe he hold on pause Maybe he got in with Hurley to find out a name before before uh, before like because Ethan didn't Ethan seem out. to yeah well yeah. no maybe maybe he learned from that experience like once he saw them going around mm-hmm. because Ethan was off doing his own thing when Hurley started all that yeah perhaps this dude which I'm sorry I don't remember his name so please correct <laughs> me um was on the beach you know placing rocks on tarps. Maybe he was like, oh, Hurley, what you doing? Let me see. You know, something like that. And sort of picked a name. Yeah. Yeah. Easy done. I I, I could definitely done. see him infiltrating the group way early. Uh, you know, so, so maybe he was placed there to sort of demoralize the castaways or throw them off course from what they should be doing. Maybe the raft plan is so good that it just might work. And that scared the heck out of Ethan's group. That's fair. So, and uh, Michael Lucero says, hmm, interesting theory. <sighs> probably means I'm on to something. Yeah, probably. Uh, but yeah, so that's my theory. Or you're completely off base. Or I'm completely off base and he's sitting there laughing at me. That's the fun of the show. Uh-huh. Okay, so you wanted to end talking a little bit about Claire and Charlie. When do I not want to talk about Claire and Charlie? <laughs> Let's just be honest. Okay, but they're just, they get cuter and cuter every week. Clarly. Clarly, oh, th- did we have ship names back when this came out? Yeah. Uh, we shouldn't. We have since. We shouldn't have them. Though. <laughs> They're awful. Um, oh, goody. He says, man, I can't wait for y'all to watch the finale. So we're going to watch the first part right after we're done recording this episode. So, okay. So Claire and Charlie. They've really sort of become the a bit of the old married couple slash newlyweds mm-hmm. all at the same time on the island, though not married. Um, <laughs> you know, they don't yet. They, yet. they don't really have any drama. They take care of the baby and they love on each other by mm-hmm. taking care of each other. He makes sure she rests after she's given birth in the middle of the woods and she's sitting there cutting his hair while he's writing his music. Like, it's cute. Mm-hmm. It's lo- They're loving on each other, but not necessarily in a romantic way. I don't think i think uh, it's there more like a peanut butter way because michael lucero in the chat room says that their ship name was peanut butter <sighs> from the peanut butter stuff yeah i get that it's just weird it's not the way ships work anymore <laughs> um but like he when he offers to let her and the baby uh, which is the baby still turnip head um, uh, i'm gonna go with yes 
okay, to stay with the him in LA while they figure things out, I don't even necessarily think he was doing this to get a romantic relationship from Claire. I think he really just cares about her and this baby. Mm-hmm. I mean, it could possibly probably turn into a romantic relationship because they're stuck on an island, but. You know, as far as Charlie though, like I thought it was really weird how, how hopeful he was. Yeah. Like it, normally when I see a character this hopeful, on a series, I'm like, okay, they're they're not going to be things. around much longer. I know. So I kind of fear for Charlie in the finale here. I do because y- you can't be so so uh, hopeful and non cynical in this situation without it possibly, you know, it, something's going to happen. Yeah, because things can't turn out that good. No. However, I enjoy his um, song "Monsterate the Pilot" or something. Whatever <laughs> yeah, it was, yeah. <laughs> smoke monsterate the pilot. <laughs> my my prediction, my wild theory. Oh no! Is that Charlie finds the Virgin oh, Mary heroin <gasps> stash and ODs? That's my theory, and I'm sticking to it. Okay, time for the arbitrary scale. Time to find out what we thought about this episode in a very tight scientific way in which I pick a random number and then assign a random object after it, and okay. we rate it based on that. Okay, so Anne Marie, yeah, out of twelve bullets in Tom's chest. How many bullets in Tom's chest do you give this episode? Nine. Nine bullets. Nine Why bullets. do you hate Tom so much? Uh, I don't hate Tom. <laughs> I actually really like Tom. Um, no, I like the episode. Uh, you know, good things. I just something like it just didn't stick with me and like mm-hmm. get me all excited as much as some other episodes have. Yeah. I blame the Kate backstory. Mm-hmm. The Kate story in general. Uh, <laughs> no, what did you think? I thought no, I thought it was good. Like I, 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 I was really. I, I at first I remembered not liking it that much. Well, we were tired. Uh, when we first watched it, but yeah. then on the second watch through, I was like, you know, this was a really good episode. And I think I think maybe it was Katie. Maybe it was Katie who kind of kind of uh, yeah. won me over on it because, like I said, I sympathized with her. Okay. And I, I also I I do remember because you know we have said I did watch this the first season back when it first came out, right. but I've forgotten almost all of it. But I do remember the finale being super awesome which is weird since you stopped watching after that i did i did but i remember the finale being super awesome so i'm i'm very much looking forward to revisiting that and getting because i i remember there being a lot of revelations and stuff Mm -hmm. and i could kind of see the groundwork for that being laid in this episode okay so i'm very excited if if you're excited about the finale why don't you write in and uh let us know what you thought about it and you can do that at uh amory can you read the contact info here the contact info yes you can email us at we're so lost podcast at gmail.com join the facebook group at facebook.com slash group slash we're so lost tweet us at we're so lost or leave us a voicemail at 424-274-2352 again that's 424-274-2352 Five, two. And uh, Michael Lucero in the chat room says, uh, do you remember much from the finale? And no, Michael, I, I really don't. I rem- I have like a few images in my head, but that's about it. Uh, so so uh, let's see here. We did go one comment on our Facebook group at uh, facebook.com slash groups slash we're so lost uh, from Ashley. And Ashley says, oh, my God, Billy, your comment about, about Saeed going all in on Shannon uh, made me spill my tea out. <laughs> Hilarious. Uh, yeah, I, I didn't realize what I'd said until i said it Oops. um i and uh, ashley also says saeed is a lover and he f- 
falls very easily for people, as you will find out more about his backstory, which is very interesting. Mm. He is one of my favorite characters just because he is so different and an outsider. And I think we can all relate to that at some point in our lives, uh, like getting treated badly or ostracized because of our skin color, gender, nationality, origin, differences. I, I think it's a great contrast for the show to have characters like Saeed and Hurley, the big guy. And it's a credit to Lost that it has such a diverse cast and that that is what makes it the best show ever. See? And I had actually been thinking it's very not diverse cast. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, they no, there's a fair amount. No, there's what there's one black guy mm-hmm. and one black child, and then there's the two Koreans, and everybody else is white. And Saeed? Saeed, yeah. Um, that's it. That's well, it. Well, plus all the flashback characters. Too. We have the flashback characters, and we well, have all those others that we don't you know think yet. That's, that's five characters, right? and then you have Jack, Kate, Charlie, Claire, Locke, Sawyer, Sawyer, um, and all the big characters. And the of- rest of them are dead. Uh, really a lot of them are dead so uh um, no it's a I great show though uh but if you want to let us know what you think about the show <laughs> we're so lost podcast at gmail.com facebook is facebook.com slash groups slash we're so lost the twitter is at we're so lost and the voicemail number is 424-274-2352 again that's 424-274-2352 or if you'd like to tell us how you feel about it come join us in the chat room and be like the turby kid who just yelled best show ever at us <laughs> Yeah, and we'll be recording live uh, for the finale this Thursday and next 30, 8.30 p.m. EST. This Thursday, next 30? This Thursday and next Thursday. Yes, yeah, that's what you said. Uh, this Thursday and next 30 at 8.30 p.m. <laughs> EST at live.universebox.com. Uh, where, Emery, where can people find you online? You can find me on Twitter at amdsimone or you can check out my blog, crunchycrafty.com. As for me, you can follow me on Twitter at Bill Meeks. You can follow all of the podcasts we do at universebox.com and you know what? I don't. Neither do I. I'm so scared, Emery. I'm so scared. I feel like I, I know we've said it before, but we really, really, we're, we're so, so lost. lost. <laughs>